Hello, I am Pia, a married mom of two, want to be Martha Stewart, would rather spend her time planning elaborate dinner parties, when in reality, I'm procrastinating about making my family matching t-shirts with my Cricut maker. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brianne, and I'm an HGTV and Hallmark Channel junkie. I currently live in Houston, Texas with my husband and three young kids. What about being from the Bronx? Oh, you made fun of me last time I said it, so it's nice to be out. Well, now they know. Brianne's from the Bronx. The boogie down. Good morning, Brianne. Good morning, Jessica. It's nice to have you back with us. How are you today? Thanks. Thanks. It's good to be here. Well, for you. Well, it's afternoon, guys. Oh. What? What day is it? I know what day is it. Exactly. Okay, so it's afternoon and it's Monday. Good. Um, For those who don't remember, we had Jessica on last year. Jessica is a doula. And we want to have Jessica come back on because right now, I I don't think giving birth in a hospital is quite like it was three months ago. Um, Just from, you know, being around social media, I saw someone was saying that um, in a local hospital, whoever, their guest can't enter and exit. They have to remain the entire time. So that adds a completely different dynamic. So if that's new during COVID-19 quarantine, I want Jessica to tell us what else is, what other challenges expected moms and doulas are going to face during these times right yeah so it's it's changing from day to day i mean you know yesterday we got a notification from one hospital that there was gonna that they were fine with two visitors today it's back down to one visitor and so and very much the um uh, one visitor with no in or out Right. So you're, if you come in, you stay in. If you leave, you can't come back in. Um, so that uh, obviously is hard for our clients specifically because, you know, we are typically their, um, their spouses, their plus one, and then there's us as the visitor. Um, and, you know, it's a, a, a scary time for a lot of families just in general. Um, and then you throw childbirth into the mix and then you throw the plan that people had made, um, you know, because people who hire us are typically people who are, you know, they have an idea of what it is they want. They want to be able to um, plan as much as they can for something right. that you really can't plan, right? <laughs> exactly. But then you take that away from them, that little bit of planning that they can do, and it's, it can be incredibly scary. And, and right. with everything changing so often, you know, we're having to kind of stop and reevaluate how we're supporting our couples um, because there's a really good chance that we're not going to be able to be with them physically in the hospital, you know? Right. And um, that's really tough. So you have a lot of these. Wait, uh, wait Pia, I have something to say because a lot of people buy, I'm not buy, sorry, you know, will purchase your services or, you know, hire you yeah. wait months in advance. So, right. These, so this. So this is really new to them. Like they have been working with you for months now and now it's time coming to the end and they're actually being told that they may not be able to have you in the room or that they, um, you know, 
well, that they may not be able to have you in the room. Or in some cases, I've also read that in New York City now, because there's so many cases, that even husbands aren't allowed in the delivery room. Yeah, we're, we're hearing whispers about that too. We've, a couple of the um, local midwives have heard that that's what they're doing out in New York, that you're literally dropping mom off at the door and then, you know, letting, and then when she's discharged, you pick her up in the baby and go home, which to me sounds barbaric, right? Like having a, a woman by herself giving labor with people that she does not know. I mean, that goes right. against everything um, intuitively in our bodies that, you know, promotes labor is, you know, you need to be secure, you need to feel good around the people that you're with and, um, and to take all of that away from, from moms, it just sounds, and I, and we understand, right, we right. are very understanding about why this is being done, because it makes sense, but it doesn't make it, um, doesn't make it easy, you know, and it, and it, what it's doing is it's adding a lot of anxiety to these pregnant families um, and, and also to the providers. You know, I know some OBs and, and the midwives that, that work in the hospitals that, you know, they're, they're just as frustrated with, you know, the rules that are changing and, and how to provide the best care for their clients, you know? What about birthing so. centers? Are they doing this in birthing centers too? So, you know, we're actually getting quite a few people who are wanting to transfer care. <clears throat> so the thought of not having, you know, their spouse available or their doula or their, you know, mother or their sister, whatever, um, their birth team that they've established um, not with them is enough for them to want to transfer to do an out-of-hospital birth. You know, the great thing about Houston area midwives is that um, the majority of them are being very careful about who they're uh, allowing to transfer um, because you had to have first been a good candidate for home birth to begin with, right, right. Um, before you can be accepted uh, um, to do a home birth or birth center birth. And you also have to um, believe in it, you know, uh, because imagine going to a birth center, being with all these people, and then having to transfer to a hospital, try, you know, in, in the middle of your care, in the middle of labor, and then that's just another stressor on the laboring mom, you know? And so that we are seeing an uptake in people who are um, wanting to transfer care, but we, everybody's trying to be really smart about how um, we're doing that. So we're not just taking people that are, you know, whatever, I want to transfer care, but I'm diabetic and this is my first baby, right. I've, you know, 20 pounds overweight or 100 pounds overweight, whatever it is, we can't, you can't, those people are already risked out of home birth, so. Okay. But people are looking for alternatives, you know, that's what the, the bottom line is, is that it's a very scary thought to go into this hospital setting and not have um, support, you know, not from right. your spouse, not from your doula. Like I said, it's uh, a lot of managing uh, the uncertainties. Um, and, you know, we're trying to do our part, our group. So I belong to a group of um, seven doulas, the TLC doula group. And we've been um, doing doula work in Houston for over 10 years. Um, I've been a doula for 10 years. My partners have been doulas longer. Um, and they, uh, we have um, written a letter to hospital administration, really just kind of reminding them that the role we can play during all of this will benefit them. You know, we are 
Um, we, we've worked in these hospitals for over a decade. We understand their policies and procedures. We know their nurses. We have relationships with their nurses. You know, we'll make their jobs easier. But also, we, there's research that backs up that doulas uh, reduce the number of surgical births. Right. Right. Uh, you're less likely to need um, interventions with the with the aid of a doula, um, and all of that means equipment, right? And um, personal protective equipment, and masks, and surgical equipment, and all of that. That the re- there's a reduction if you have somebody there supporting the mom, right? Right. Um, and so that they actually what, need because there's a shortage. Of. Right. Right. And that's what we're trying to Points. appeal to them is that we are. You know, we may not be hospital staff, but we are comfortable working there and we work there so often that um, we're a benefit, right? We're going to benefit um, the hospital um, and we're isolating ourselves. That's the other thing. You know, we are not, we are, we have to be healthy for our clients. So we are the extreme, you know, isolating ourselves from people and, um, you know, so that we can be present for our clients if the hospital lets us in. So, um, Pia, uh, I'm sorry I cut you off. You were saying you're going to ask um, Jessica a question? I don't remember, but I do have another question. Is there any way, I guess, is there an organization of doulas? Have you all reached out the hospital administration, or would you have to go through state or local government to uh, relax the provisions or to consider uh, doulas as healthcare professionals? What would have to be done? Right. You know, I think right now everybody is scrambling. You know, I feel like the only hospital that has been really um, proactive in having policies and seems to be very handling things very calmly is Texas Women's Hospital. Um, and they have said that we are, are not considered a, um, a visitor and that we are l- allowed in as long as our clients can produce a contract and show that we are actually a contracted doula, you know, because they, I think they understand the benefits. Um, and so they've been really good at um, yeah. advocating for us, but it, it, it is, you know, there's, there, there's so much out of control right now. And all these hospitals are trying to come up with new policies for their workers, for their, you know, patients, contractors and all this other stuff that they, you know, we are the least of their worries right now. But right. what we're trying to do is to appeal to the, to the people that we know, the, the OBs that we know, the midwives that we know, the administrators that we know, and also have our clients um, advocate for us and say, you know, this is a part of my birth team and I really want this person here and it's important to me and it's helpful to you, you know, helpful to you, the hospital. Um, and then if, if not, because there's, there's already going to be, we already know that there are a few that just are not going to let us in, then we have to shift our perspective and figure out, you know, our role, because I, you know, I always tell people, uh, it's not that your birth becomes wonderful because I'm there, right? My job is to prepare you and your spouse for the birth experience. And uh, I don't have to be physically present there to be helpful. What I, what, the way that we can help right now in this environment is, to make sure that you are prepared, that you and your spouse are prepared, right? right. If it's, um, you know, going, doing a virtual class with you, if you haven't taken a class yet, or practicing um, comfort measures, or um, whatever it is that we can do to help make sure that you are feeling prepared going in and you know how to ask the right questions. That's the best that we can do if we're not going to be able to be there with you. 
I have a question too. How um, how does a mom know her hospital is safe? Because one of my friends is pregnant right now, and she's in London. Um, I know most of our listeners are here in America, and Jessica can only speak for what she sees here in Texas. Um, but in Texas, from what you've seen, how has it changed to make people feel more comfortable with giving birth in the hospital setting? Like, are the, are the doctors being tested or the patients being tested? What's, what, what, yes. what does it look like now? Yeah, so anybody who is showing symptoms is, uh, and a staff is, uh, number one, not allowed in, and they're being tested, um, and then they're sent home until the symptoms subside or they get a negative result um, on their test. The other thing is, I mean, they're being super strict about um, all these hospitals. When you walk in their front doors, they are screening your temperature, they're making you sanitize your hands, they're making you do a questionnaire. Um, so they're really trying, they're not letting children in, no one under 18 is allowed in to the hospitals. So there's some pretty strict um, guidelines um, that they're starting. The other thing that they're doing is for employees. One of, um, one of my dear friends uh, works at one of the hospitals and went on vacation um, and went uh, camping. Um, and it, because it was more than 150 mile radius from the hospital, she actually has to quarantine for two weeks. Um, wow. until, uh, you know, to make sure that she's okay. So they're telling employees, and this is every hospital in the med center is telling employees, you cannot go outside of the, I think it's like five surrounding counties of Harris County. Um, cause you know, okay. some people live like in Brazoria County or they live in right. Oakland or whatever it is. Um, but you cannot go outside of those counties. And if you do, um, don't come to work and take your personal time off your PTO. You have to use your PTO. Right. Um, for that time, right? They're not going to pay you for, for staying at home. So there's a, so there's a benefit to listen to what they're asking you to do. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. And no one so, wants to education sick. No one wants that. No, no, no. And, and I know that like women's hospital sent out a, a really, a really nice email to all of their patients yesterday that said, we do have people who are positive here, but they're in uh, isolation. We have them in isolation and we're taking every precaution to make sure that they're, you know, um, being taken care of appropriately. But I think that we're heading into a time of this virus now where there's not really going to be anywhere that does not have positive people somewhere, right. you know, like in the hospital. Because if you're a mom, right. if you're a mom, you still have the right to give birth. <laughs> right. Yeah. In a setting that's um, going to take care of you like a human being because you're still human and should be treated as such. Right. Right. It's different times right now. What are some things that you can recommend to moms that don't have doulas to think about to help calm them in this situation? You know, I think it really is, you know, as a doula, we always talk about the triangle of fear, right? So fear equals tension, tension equals pain, pain equals fear, right? So there's this whole thing that happens. And the best way that I found to, to break that cycle is with information. You know, most people want um, information uh, to help them understand what's happening to their body, right? So it's the difference between pain with a purpose and suffering, right? So right. shifting your perspective about what labor is, which is a lot of what doulas do, right? This is what we do in labor when you're, we're telling you to breathe through the contraction and reminding you of what your body is doing. I think if uh, people can start shifting their perspective to 
Um, I'm going to keep my body as healthy as possible now um, to benefit my labor tomorrow. And, you know, also keeping in mind that uh, separating, although it's hard, the separation from my loved ones or from my doula or whatever um, is difficult. It's for the better of me and my baby to keep us healthy. Right. Right. It really is um, for the best for us. Um, And that, you know, labor is, there, the ultimate goal is obviously to have a healthy mom and a healthy baby, but we also want to make sure that you're part of the experience, right? And even though things are crazy and chaotic right now, there's, there will always be time to pause and say, you know, what is happening? What, what are you doing to me? And what is the next step, right? So getting that information so that you feel like you're a part of the conversation, then you walk away from the experience. It doesn't matter if it's a unmedicated vaginal birth or a surgical birth or whatever, you still feel okay about the situation because you were, you were kept a part of the conversation, right? I can see that. Yeah, that's really good advice. So what I'm hearing is um, get information from your providers, talk about your fears with your providers, have that squared away. Also realize everything that's happening right now is not against you, but for you. That's right. During these times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to speak for yourself and be informed, even during the birth, you do have time to say, wait, why are you doing this to me? And what's going on? And, and I think a lot of times once they see you do that, they, they treat you a little bit different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I think the other thing is to remember that as, uh, as you go into the system, the healthcare system, understand that they are under incredible amounts of stress right now. You know, they, these, are, these labor and delivery workers are nurses who have children and are being exposed to the public every day, and then they have to go home to their families too. So it's very much about everybody trying to make the best out of the situation um, and still remembering that this is a sacred sacred thing that's happening, right? Like giving birth to your baby is something that you're going to remember forever. And um, we want it to be um, the best that it can under these circumstances. And if that requires, you know, your partner to get more information or for you to, like I said, take an online class or do some meditation, um, mantras are wonderful. Um, you know, whatever it takes for you to go in there feeling like, okay, we can do this. Obviously, we don't know how it's going to turn out, but, um, you know, we trust that, you know, our bodies created this great little baby and show up on game day and see what the birth buds have to offer us. Right. Because, I mean, in the end, you were born to do this. You were born to create this baby. You were born to birth this baby and you'll be okay. Um, But technology, how is that? entering the picture um are you able to or would you recommend having uh some people come in on i don't know something like uh, facetime or zoom to help you with your birth would you not recommend that because that's a big thing right now everyone's zooming everyone's skyping everyone's hooking right. on technology do you recommend that in the birthing room i think it depends i think it's just like it would be uh for any birth you know, we always say that you can tack on a couple of hours for every guest that you have in the room, right? Our bodies are not, we're not performing monkeys. Our, our, you know, our bodies don't want to open up with everybody watching us. 
So who is it that you want on FaceTime? Is it your mother-in-law that's going to be judging you and yelling at you about her birth experience? Or is it your, your friend who has had three really great births and has the perfect temperament or your doula that can tell you, you know, or helped your, um, your spouse along too, you know? One of the things that we're doing as a group is we are, because we know we're headed to this virtual um, thing is that we will still come to your home and labor with you um, and hope okay. to get you to the hospital when you're in good, hard, active labor and that minimizes the um, chance of um, intervention. Um, and then we, we're gonna go to a designated place, a quiet place so that we're available to you just like if we were there with you, right? Oh, that's awesome. Talking, we'll you know, be able to kind of talk you through what's happening. Um, and be available virtually if that's what you need. You know, if right. you don't, um, that's okay too. Um, but uh, definitely wouldn't hurt to have somebody to reach out to if that's what feels good for you. Right. You um, the, probably add an extra battery pack into pack it into your um, <laughs> into your into your suitcase. Here was another yeah. question for those who are doing home birth. How is that going to change if? God forbid they need to transfer to the hospital. Yeah, so if they have to transfer, then that, that is the part that worries us, um, uh, is that, um, you know, a lot of people who transfer from home births are already up against the, uh, the stigma of home birth, um, right. depending on what hospital they go to, right? Some hospitals are more progressive than others and, and a lot more friendly to transfers. Um, but uh, when you transfer, you, the, you know, it's you and your spouse. And if they let your spouse in and no one right. else. So your midwife that you've grown this relationship with, your doula that you have this relationship with, you know, all of those people are not allowed um, to continue care with you. And that is uh, another really um, tough shock to the system, you know? Um, and so- You have to be prepared uh, for that. You have to be prepared for that, right? That's definitely something to, to think about before you transfer care. You know, if you, right. a lot, like I said, a lot of people are talking about it, but this isn't like, a, oh, I'm just going to dip my toes into home birth, right? That's not how it works. It's like, this is the real deal, right? Like, they're right. asking this. And so you have to be really certain that you're ready to accept all the implications that come with doing a home birth and, right. and having the, um, and that there being a chance that you might have to transfer. I remember when I had my C-section, not my C-section, my vaginal birth after my C-section, I think like one of the things I had to accept was that they may have to gas me. Right. Because oh. I, I don't remember exactly why. But yeah. I remember that was something that really scared me, but I was able to say, okay, it's okay. I can do that. If, <laughs> like if you have to make me pass out, I, I'm ready for that because this right. is worth it to me. So again, being informed and making those decisions always put you in a position of power. Now, what about C-section moms? Do you know yeah, how that, yeah. like how so that's for, for them? For surgical birth, they are um, really delaying a lot of them if possible. If it's not like, if it's an elective C-section, they're not doing elective C-sections right now. Um, it's, uh -huh, it's, interesting. Uh, even for repeats. So typically what you would see is maybe at 38 weeks, they do a C-section for you. They might push it a little bit further. Um, wow. But uh, again, that's kind of, um, you know, they, the restrictions are going to be, it's your spouse and no one else. You know, like that's, that's kind of 
that's all you get is your spouse to help you out there, you know. And, you know, just like any other surgery, you're going, they're going to be pumping you full of antibiotics to make sure that it's like a, a broad spectrum antibiotic so that you're covered after. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, do you have any upcoming births, Jessica? I do. I do. I actually just had one last um, Wednesday and it went beautifully. It was at women's and women, they were really good at, at letting me in and didn't, you know, give me a hard time because I showed them my contract and that was super helpful. And even the nurse was like, oh, I'm so glad they let you in. This is so helpful. Um, but I have someone due at um, Texas Children's in the next couple weeks. And that's, um, this is going to be her third baby. Um, so she's not new to this, uh, but uh, she was really hoping for a different type of experience this time around. And um, so a, a lot of the prenatal work that I'm doing is just preparing people for the different scenarios, you know, of the different types of support that they um, might get, because I won't, probably won't be able to be there in person during the delivery itself, you know. Well, hopefully things will change so that that mother can receive the support that she needs. Hopefully either hospital officials will recognize that yeah. this is a needed service because I mean, I understand why one person can't come in and out. Maybe they'll work out something to where the doula could come in for the labor. Maybe dad might have to miss it. Because I don't know if I'd rather have my spouse or a doula. And honestly, I'm thinking I might rather have a doula than my spouse and my spouse could come in later. So at least, because I mean, it's almost unrealistic in some situations to expect a father to spend the entire time there if he has to work. So right. um, maybe something can be done um, because childbirth is, it, you don't want to do it alone. I, That's right. I, even though I had cesareans, I would not have wanted to be there alone during that time. Yeah. I mean, do birth you, is birth. It doesn't, it's surgical, vaginal, whatever. It's still an incredibly... Um, you know, you're super vulnerable during that time and uh, you need the people that you trust around you um, to support you through that. You know, we weren't supposed to do this on our own. I mean, you know, when we look at it, you're the only one who can do it, right? Nobody can do it for you. You're yeah. the one who has to go through it. So it is um, solitary in that sense. But as a species, we weren't meant to do this by ourselves, right? Like we were meant to do this with other people around us and especially women, you know, other women um, working with us through this, so. Right, I, I thought that too, when you said that, um, when I read that husbands weren't allowed, I'm like, but are doulas allowed? <laughs> 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 just like, and you're like, it's barbaric. And I'm like, mm, maybe. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, know, had a couple of people say, if I have to choose, Will you be okay with being there? Yeah, we will, you know. Because it's it's so interesting because my mom never gave birth with her husband um, in the room and my grandmother and no one, like no one in my family. I think Michael and maybe my, my sister-in-law, like we were the first generation where husbands were there. And a big part of the reason why my family hired you was because Michael didn't know what he was doing and why should he? How many children does he have? Like how many births right. have he been to? Zero. Yeah. So, I mean, if he really wants to be there and I, I, I get some couples, you know, they're like, I, sh I just want to be me and my husband. I'm like, mm-hmm. 
So me and my doula and my husband's on speakerphone. <laughs> I think he'd be okay with that. He's like, what, I can't yeah. touch the baby? Then why am I here to begin with? <laughs> I agree. It's going to be interesting to see what the next couple of months bring, you know, how people are going to, um, what decisions people will make on this. So. And they'll adapt. You know, we're adapting so quickly to not staying in. Right. There's all these Zoom parties and game nights via Zoom. It's like we didn't skip a beat. Like people thought yeah. of ways to fill in. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, so troubleshooted and figured out a way to still stay connected. And I think this will be the same thing. It will be difficult, but you know, we've already, like I said, established different different plans for okay if we are let in then this is what we do if we're not then this is what we do and you know we'll we'll figure it out people will be supported but we really hope that the hospitals will like you said see the benefit of having a human being in there i hope so too is there anything that we can do anything our listeners can do to help um keep the doulas in the hospitals yeah, I think if you're pregnant and you have a doula right now, I talk to your provider every time you have an appointment. Remind your provider how important it is to you. And if they say, well, it's out of my hands, it's administration, then say, then who do I contact in administration? And send them an email, you know, and say, look, this is really important to us. And, you know, feel free to contact me and I can give you a copy of the letter that we've written that, you know, really kind of states. Um, the research that supports having a doula and, you know, our reputation and, you know, how we can definitely help um, in this situation. And, but it's going to take everybody kind of, you know, pushing for this, not just us, the doulas, but our clients too, saying this is important to us as well um, for, I think, I think for them to really pay attention. Because like I said, everybody's kind of scrambling right now. Um, and we're very low on the totem pole in, in that sense, you know. Right. Um, but you need to know that you're not actually low on the totem pole. You're very important. Right. And... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, well thank uh, you for talking to us. Yes, thank you. Thank and you guys for having me. You're welcome. And um, if anyone has any, I would say if there are any pregnant women out there who have doulas, why don't you go ahead and start writing your uh, hospital administrators? Let them know. Let's make some yeah. and. Uh, try to find a way to bring some action to our, our our own causes because otherwise it's just gonna fall on people might not even know that this is something that's truly important to women. So um, correct. All right. Have a great day. Thank you, ladies. The podcast is over, but that does not mean that the conversation has to end. Connect with Brianne and I on Instagram at Mommy, Where Is My Shoe? Or you may email us at podcast at Mommy, Where Is My Shoe.com. We also have a website, so check it out www.mommy, Where Is My Shoe.com. Before you go, do us a favor. If you like Mommy, Where Is My Shoe, the podcast, please rate us in your app. And if you don't like it, email us at podcast at mommy, where is my and tell us why. Either way, thank you for the feedback. Goodbye.